1: Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Monday. we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I know it's June, but college football is inching closer. We're going to talk with the Coach Harvey Hyde about everything going on around the USC Athletic Department and the football team. If you want to get a hold of him, you can tweet at him at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. And if you want to get a hold of us and leave us a question, you can do so via email podcast at uscfootball.com or leave us a voicemail or a text message at 424-254-9141 if you have the apple podcasting app please follow us and leave us a five-star rating over there and uh, it does help to grow the show we got uh, a lot to get to not a lot of time want to get in the coach harvey hyde and and welcome him uh, on the line it's been a little while since we've chatted coach how you doing sir
2: Ryan, I'm doing good, buddy. i would tell you, it seems like a long time. It's been about a month, but, uh, we're trying to get ready for the college football season. And just to do a podcast, to do a podcast, I think that's not, uh, what we should do. I think if we have topics that thing to discuss or talk about, uh, between you and I and any, uh, callers you might have, I think we'll do that. But I think we ought to charge our batteries and, uh, take a little bit of a break if there is such a thing and uh, get ready for college football
1: for sure and that's what we're we're all getting ready for very excited there's a lot of stuff going on uh, around in the recruiting world and we can listen to all our shows we've talked a lot about that kind of stuff uh, going on with what's going on with recruiting and everything Um, for us here at the show uh, there's some different topics we want to get to I was out of the country for a couple weeks part of the reason why then I kind of got sick uh, last week so um, I wanted to just get a few thoughts because it's been a little while, but the, the whole Mike Bone um, you know, resigning, kind of a Friday news dump sort of thing that happened before I end up uh, leaving. But I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that, Coach, uh, with Mike Bone gone and where the USC Athletic Department is uh, right now. Any thoughts on any of that?
2: Well, it was shocking to me uh, because it was done so quickly. So obviously, everybody starts to think, oh, there's got to be more than that. Uh, Nobody retires that quickly and uh, has a health problem or whatever excuses is is used or said. Uh, It almost uh, was as shocking to me as they making the announcement they were going to the Big Ten. It was something that you don't expect to happen, yet it happens. And I really think it affects the entire athletic department because there becomes a lot of questions on really what happened. There's second guessing that's going on. Uh, The rumors out there, you know, three athletic directors in such a short period of time. Why didn't they do their homework? How come you didn't know this or do that? And who knows what it's really about? Uh, I hardly think that all of a sudden it was health problems or something. It was something that was caused for him to make a decision uh, as far as retiring immediately. And I don't know or have any ideas of what that was about. Uh, it's very unfortunate as far as a head football coach uh, coming in and the two people that uh, actually hired him or negotiated it. That's Brian Sosa and Mike Bone are both gone. So I think that as a head football coach, you sort of sorta of think, oh, I don't know, because there's a lot of conversations you have with your athletic director off the cuff or off the record that you talk about what we need to be successful and now going into the big 10 and so on that you really wonder if the new athletic director or the interim athletic director agrees with you or knows exactly what your discussions were or what you were promised. So I think there's a a void there. And I know that if I was a head football coach at SC, I'd certainly, want to have some type of uh, understanding of what's going on and what I was told, and there's a little bit of an insecurity thing, I might say, even though I'm getting paid $10 million a year or whatever, and I have a solid contract, uh, I'm here to win and, and take care of the things that are necessary to get it done at USC, and the challenges ahead of us at USC are unbelievable as far as the teams we're going to play and the schedules we're going to have and All of the above, the expectations are unbelievable. So I would, as a head football coach, look at that as uh, uh, something I'm not favorable. I'm sorry it happened. Uh, So uh, it's a lot of, uh, you know, and then you look at the new athletic directors who's been, uh, or a team of athletic directors, or whatever you want to call it, has been assembled by the president or whoever. I just wonder why is that necessary to have so many different people who probably at one time hated the USC as far as either playing against them or whatever being now the leadership of the athletic department, when myself, I probably would have gone out if I was a college president. And, you know, I don't know if these people are available, but I I would have gone in and tried to uh, attract Barry Alvarez or somebody who's been in the Big Ten and give him a nice little contract to come in and let my head coach feel comfortable because here's a head football coach has been there and been in the big 10 and knows everybody in the big 10 and the relationships between USC and the big 10 have to be created. Somebody like that, that has strong big 10, uh, you know, uh, relationships and not that Barry would have to live here, but with the zoom and the communications and all of the things that are necessary, once a week or every other week, be in California and meet and have meetings with his staff and make everybody feel that, hey, we have someone that's been very successful. We have someone who knows what the Big Ten is all about. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. All of the above be a part of my athletic department. But they chose to go a different way, and I'm not really in favor in the way they chose to go.
1: I'm not confused, Coach. What do you mean they haven't picked anybody yet for athletic director?
2: Well, interim. Oh, they've got oh. some interim. They've oh, okay. got an interim team of three or four people that they have who have uh, now assumed the responsibility of of uh, filling the shoes of Mike Bone. I can't give you the names of. Them. I know who they are, but you know that's the way it goes.
1: Oh, I got you. I see what you're saying. I mean, I'm not too concerned about the interim uh, AD stuff. It's really about who they bring in. To hire, and I think getting someone with Big Ten experience would actually be helpful going into the Big Ten. I wouldn't, you know, for Lincoln Riley, it, you know, he's in that situation where, yeah, he was probably promised things, but you're not hiring someone that's going to be at odds with Lincoln Riley because he's going to be, you know, he's the reason why you're going to have a lot of success in your athletic department is because the football team is going to be good, and you know, he's, you know, one of the top coaches in the in the nation. You wanna get that, you know, that football team has gotta be going full steam and you just wanna kinda keep it going. You don't wanna get in the way. You're not gonna hire an athletic director that's gonna get in the way of that or you're making a huge mistake. Though USC's made huge mistakes in the past, so it's hard to to say. Um, We're gonna talk about the Big Ten schedule and that's part of the things that you, you would worry about having an AD around, but it seems like they'd already had a lot of the discussions as far as what the Big Ten schedule would be for you know 2024 and 2025. But there's also another development that we just came out right before we recorded. Um, Carol Fult, uh, the president of USC, put out a video from the USC Trojans uh, at, you know, Twitter feed. Uh, Rawlinson Stadium will be the future home of uh, USC women's soccer and lacrosse. And it looks to be this. Uh, they showed some video renderings, a new state-of-the-art stadium that they're going to start construction soon. And uh, they hope that to be open early in uh, 2025. So I'm not exactly sure where this is going to be, but it looks, uh, it looks pretty cool. And it's one of those things where this is coming out with the athletic department. I know a lot of USC fans, Coach, want to see new football facilities. I think this was something they've had on the radar for a while. So they wanted to get this sort of uh, knocked out and out of the way. And then they can kind of go forward with some of the other football stuff. But I don't know if you saw it, Coach. It literally just came out like minutes before we started recording. But... Even though there's no athletic director right now, the athletic department's still doing stuff.
2: Well, I have not seen that, no. Uh, and I think that's probably been on the planning board for a long period of time. And uh, I think it's necessary. I don't know where it's going to be, if it's going to be on campus, near campus. I don't know how many people it's going to hold or whatever, so I'm not aware of any of that. So really I'm not at liberty to talk about it. But, uh you know, uh, going back to that Lincoln-Riley thing, you know, I don't mean to jump backwards in sure, this no. podcast, but but it really is uh, a concern, even though you're an athletic director that, or you're a head football coach and knows that football is very important at USC, there's still that people, who do I go to right now, who do I go to right now to make a solid decision for me if I have a decision that needs to be made, So there's always that question mark there. And of course, he should be on the selection committee in some type to decide who he's going to be working with. That's all I want to make clear to everybody out there.
1: Yeah. No, it makes sense coach. Um, Well, I want to talk about the schedule because it's a big deal and it came out uh, last week. A lot of, uh, I did a show with shotgun Spratling that you can go check out over at uscfootball.com. We put it up on YouTube and, did a, uh, a, a podcast with it as well. But we know for two years uh, they're doing the Flex Protect Plus model, which I didn't really hear much about before. I think people had reported on this potential. I kind of like it. In general, Coach, what you're going to have is it's not you're not forcing rivalries on anyone. There's 11 total protected rivalries, and some schools don't have any. Uh, like Penn State. Well, one school doesn't have any, Penn State. A lot of schools have one protected rival, and like USC and UCLA is a protected rival that will happen every year as long as the Big Ten is you know, made up of these 16 teams. But a team like Iowa ends up having three protected rivals just because they had more natural rivals. And I think everyone, they put in their um, feedback of what the rivals should be and uh it seemed to work out well but the in general every 2 years you're going to play everybody in the conference. This is very different than the SEC that they have 16 teams and they're going to only play 8 conference games. So if that kept going on for years you would it would take you know you might miss a team for you know not just one full uh, college football season and we want college football career, but multiple ones. It just, you wouldn't play everybody a lot. In this situation, you play everyone every two years and you will visit every conference stadium every four years. So if you go to Minnesota, for example, and stay for four years, you're going to get an opportunity to play or travel to every stadium in the conference, which I like that. And for USC, um, you know, that first year, You're looking at uh, home games against Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And then you have road games against Maryland, Northwestern, Penn State, uh, Purdue, and UCLA. And then in year two, you have home games against Indiana, Michigan State, Nebraska, Penn State, and UCLA. And then you have road games against Minnesota, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Wisconsin- And, of course, USC plays Notre Dame every year. So 2024, you host – well, you don't host, but you play LSU in Las Vegas, your home uh, coach, and then you have Notre Dame at home, uh, along with playing Iowa and Wisconsin and Michigan at home and Penn State on the road. It's a pretty crazy schedule. But overall, I'm pretty happy with this. It seems like there's a whole bunch of Rose Bowl games, coach, uh, throughout the year, uh, a bunch of new stadiums to go check out. A lot of travel for sure, but I know, and we don't know the dates of these games or the the times. So I feel like the Big Ten is taking into consideration travel. They don't want USC to have to go back-to-back East Coast road trips and things like that. But in general, uh, it's, I think it's got the fan base pretty excited, Coach. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this new schedule.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it really does have people excited. In fact, people is talking about more about like we are the 24-25 season than we are the 23 season, not that we're not looking forward to the 23 season. I think it's really uh, exciting. Uh, I just think, uh, and I hope, I think the Big Ten has done a good job in putting this together. I just hope they go one step farther than what the Pac-12 did. And I hope they don't have a home game the same weekend for UCLA and USC. I hope they're smart enough to have, when SC's at home, UCLA's on the road. And when UCLA's at home, you know, SC's on the road. Whatever, vice versa. So we don't have two games 20 miles apart for each other at the same time on national television, where people want to go and see both teams or both games. They, they can't do it. So I hope they're not going against each other, other words. Or if they have a Friday game, which they—I don't know if they do in the Big Ten or not—they uh, don't go against each other, and it really works out that way. Because I thought that in the past, in the Pac-12, that the Pac-12 scheduling really hurt themselves. I mean, UCLA was playing at one, USC was playing at four at the same weekend, and then the next weekend both teams were away. That did uh, didn't make sense to me, but I think it brings a a great schedule to Southern California. I really think it does. I think it's going to really help recruiting for both uh, UCLA and USC with the national exposure. They've got great non-conference games. When you consider, like you mentioned, in Las Vegas, the LSU game in 24, who will be the quarterback? That's my first question. Who will be the quarterback to open up against LSU in 24? Because Caleb will probably be gone So that's something you better start developing right now because LSU and Brian Kelly's got it going on.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. It's going to be a a really tough one. And I don't think USC fans are focusing on 2024 because there's a lot to accomplish in 2023. But just getting that schedule release, it sort of made it more real, Coach, right? Like you feel like you could talk about, I'll be in the Big Ten and, and whatever, but then looking at the schedule and knowing... There's gr- I mean, there's great stuff, obviously, like, wow. You're going to play Michigan, you're going to play Wisconsin, you're going to play Penn State, like, all in the same, you know, oh, Iowa. Um, these teams you would play in big bowl games against, you're going to play each and every week. But there's also the fact of, wow, there's no Cal, there's no Stanford, um, you know, no Arizona State, and there's no Utah. That You know, Utah's been not – that's one more recent one, but, you know, some of those teams that you've played forever – those Pacific Northwest teams, like not being on the schedule. That's part of it too. I know there's a lot of USC fans that are just ready to get out of the Pac-12 and they don't really care. Um, but yeah, that's that's a weird part of all this too, is just knowing not just the teams you're going to play, but the teams you're sort of leaving behind.
2: Uh, that's right. Great rivalries and so on. Who knows, maybe down the road, but it didn't look that way as far as with now uh, the scheduling of Georgia Southern that they might play a, a non-conference game against Stanford or Cal. But it doesn't look like either UCLA or USC are headed that way, because they have Hawaii, San Jose State, Nevada. You know, they've got these uh, old Miss. They've got these, you know, uh, past Trojan coaches coming in to play uh, <laughs> with Lane Kiffin and, and Clay Helton. Uh, so uh, it doesn't look like they're headed that direction. And maybe the Pac-12 is mad at USC and UCLA, and they don't want to play them. Uh, they might say well you left us so just go ahead and go your way and and so on and maybe USC and UCLA don't want to play them I'm not quite sure how that will pan out but I know that uh, the teams that'll be staying I don't think the pack I don't think the big Ten's going to expand anymore I really think the Oregon Washington uh, and uh, Sanford Cal and those teams are going to stay in the Pac-12 and think they have a An easier way to get to the playoffs with 12 teams than if they went to the Big Ten. And Oregon's having a great recruiting year, and Washington's doing a great job. So, you know, Cal and Stanford, who cares? Nothing against anybody that went to those schools. I think they're great academic schools. But right now they've fallen behind as far as with the portal programs and what type of football programs they put on the field. Washington State uh, has done a great job. But we'll have to wait and see what the developing of the Pac-12 will happen. You know, my personal opinion of the Pac-12, if I'm still at UNLV like I was, I would make sure go to my university or trustees and I'd say, let's buy our way into the Pac-12. Everything in the Pac-12 currently right now is in Las Vegas. I believe the conference offices will be in Las Vegas. And if they're willing to pay, you know, $380 million or whatever they're paying to bring the A's there and what they paid to bring the Raiders there, whatever else, I would come up with $100 million or more to give to the Pac-12, to bring the Pac-12 and allow UNLV into the Pac-12, because we could compete immediately at a different level, and you got to win and be big time to play in Las Vegas. And I think that would... Satisfy a lot of the top television audience and and all of that too. I I mean when I coached at UNLV we played SMU we played Washington State we played Wisconsin we played Oregon State you know we played those schools and we did well against them. So I would think uh, that would be a team I'd go after. And it looks as though San Diego State would be a very attractive school too to be able to have a school in the south. The only thing San Diego State didn't do is build their stadium big enough, not anticipating that they might be in the Pac-12. But they play great basketball, and uh, they went went all the way this past year. So, uh, you know, I think that might be an attractive thing for the Pac-12 too. The thing is, who else do they bring in? Uh, Utah, I think Colorado's going to make a move to go to the Big 12. I really believe that. Uh, There's more money there. It's a better location for them. Uh, I would think they're gonna make a move to go there, whether they do that or not, I don't know. And Utah, what happens to Utah? Remember they own the Pac twelve right now in college football. They've been the Rose Bowl the last two years. So they've got there's a lot of decisions that's gotta be made, but I don't don't think it's gonna be with the Big Ten. I think it's gonna be with the Big Twelve.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with the coach. We'll have to wait and see. And I, I think I think USC down the road could schedule some of the Pac twelve games, but right now just the way schedule works you know, you have to schedule them far in advance. And we don't know what the structure of the PAC 12 is going to be, if it's going to, you know, fall apart. And then at that point, you got to kind of figure things out from there. All right, well, let's take a quick break. We got a couple of questions and we'll let you go back in a minute, everybody.
0: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: All righty. Let's uh, start with a voicemail for you, Coach.
2: All right. Hey, Ryan. It's Curtis. So I hear that Nick Saban at Alabama is angry because USC – Texas and Texas A&M have an unfair advantage because of NIL. Well, well, well. The best coach in college football is crying because he knows what's coming. Fight on. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, Curtis, uh, I don't know exactly what his feelings are as far as I think he can compete with anybody. I think he just feels that there's needs there needs to be some type of control on where college football is going, and I agree 100% with him. It is going uh, out of control. You recruit your own roster. You recruit a new team. Uh, you tell players that they can't play for you anymore. There's no loyalty within the roster, coaches, whatever. And I think there has to be like a commissioner and like free agency that they have in the NFL and salary caps and all of the above in college football. If you want to keep college football alive. And I think that uh, there are some schools that have an advantage because of their location, because of the amount of money they can gather and all of the above. And I think that even in professional sports, there's salary caps. Uh, take every sport, there's salary caps. And in college football, you're not going to have a salary cap. Uh, anybody can do whatever they want. Uh, I think that he's got a good point here. And I think if you put all the college coaches together and took a vote on it, all of them would agree. It's not just Nick Saban. I think it's Nick Saban who's willing to step out and say some of these things uh, rather than some of the coaches are afraid to say some of these things. Uh, I think he's not worried about the advantages other schools have. He's got one of the top recruiting classes, and he always will. And uh, I think that the players that leave him uh, know they can't play there. So uh, I think that uh, he's just willing to say, hey, let's go to Congress. Let's go to the Senate. Let's get somebody to get this under control. And and I have to agree with him. It's crazy. If I was a coach right now, what do I do, recruit my own team every year? and then recruit another team, and then recruit the portal, and then my high school team. I mean, it's getting where if you read and you talk to a lot of these coaches, when do they have any time off anymore? It's continuous. There's no time off for the players or the coaches. So uh, I agree. I think they're and I've been saying all along there's got to be a new type of organization, not the NCAA. They can't handle it. But there's got to be a commissioner and, a, and an office that handles uh, the football directly with itself.
1: Yeah, um, we'll see. I think they they need more guidance than what they got from the NCAA. And that's the problem because things got really wild. So we'll see where this ends up going. Um, I think, you know, depending on what the school is, you have advantages of being in L.A., but there's disadvantages of – you know, people know who the backup center is at Alabama, and no one's going to know that at USC because you got all these other sports stars in the city. So wherever you are, you have advantages of recruiting and NIL and all that kind of stuff. Um, Sir Eric of Troy texted in Coach. He said, Coach, with you being a former offensive lineman, please name your top three USC tailbacks that you would have most enjoyed run blocking for, then name your top three quarterbacks you would have uh, best pass blocked for given your personal style of play and theirs. Thanks for answering this question, uh, and for all of you and Ryan, give us to give us loyal Trojan fans and alums, uh, Sir Eric of Troy.
2: Well, I think they've had many tailbacks. <laughs> I think I'd probably like to block for all of them—the uh, great uh, ones with Garrett and Allen, and, uh, O.J. Simpson, uh, Anthony Davis, Charles White. I mean. I think any of them, I'd like to block for any of them because I know that if I could maintain or at least have a tie or try to knock somebody down, those guys would do the rest. I used to say that when I was coaching with the offensive line and my great running backs that I was fortunate to coach, Icky Woods, Terrell Davis, and some of those, Reggie Brown and community college, that I said, hey guys, if we can tie up front and give a guy a lane and give him the opportunity to look laterally or straight ahead or hit the seam, we're going to be okay. We just can't miss a block. They can't stop us before we get started. So I would think that any of those uh, running backs at USC has had the great history, and I, if I missed one, I apologize. John Arnett, we can go back and back and back. Uh, I apologize, but they've had a great uh, used-to-be uh, tailback U, if you remember. Now, as far as quarterbacks at USC, I think there's two different generations of Paul McDonald's with the play-action pass and the great running backs, to uh, the Matt Leinards, Castle, I mean, these uh, recent quarterbacks that have thrown the ball so well, uh, Kayla Williams, I mean, yeah, I'd love to block for those guys. Uh, uh, but I think it's a lot easier to block when you have a great running back because when you have a running game, it makes it a lot easier for the, quarterback, for the offensive lineman because they know they have to... Uh, uh, going to consider and and really uh, stop the run before they can stop the pass, and it makes the passing game a lot better. Paul McDonald would throw the ball 14, 15 times a game and have a tremendous percentage as far as completion rate. And these other guys that played at USC were great quarterbacks at the same time. We can go back, back, back. But it was different years of different type of philosophies of what you did as far as passing of a football versus running the football. So, you know, when you go through just the great quarterbacks that have been at SC recently, I mean, the Mark Sanchez and all those great court, uh, quarterbacks, Barkley, you, you know, just go through it. I mean, uh, they've all been great quarterbacks through the type of philosophy that they've had and what's been going on at USC during the history of football.
1: You know, real quick, a um, couple guys that won the Heisman, Carson Palmer and uh, Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams, people, I mean, he's the most dynamic quarterback I've ever seen at USC just from from my years covering the team. But it's very different where you sort of know if you're an offensive lineman, you kind of know where Carson's going to be. <laughs> he could take off and run every once in a while, but with Caleb Williams, he can just improvise from behind there. Like as an offensive lineman, what's the difference between knowing a guy's not necessarily the most dynamic athlete behind you and you're going to kind of – here's where the pocket is and that's probably where it's going to stay – Versus Caleb Williams can move the pocket wherever he wants and still find someone downfield. Like how how different is that for an offensive lineman?
2: It's hard. It really is hard. But you try to protect the area uh, with the most vulnerable or the 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 protection that you need. That or it's called. And then if it's not there, you know he's running around somewhere else, and you have to be very careful not to have holding calls, because your guy on the defensive side of the football can see where he's going, and you can't. And then also, you got to be careful, you know, not to have a clip or do something uh, or get downfield because you don't know really what Caleb's doing, but Caleb's making plays. So you sort of try to keep uh, in the back of your head a couple of eyeballs so you try to know where he's going to be so you can help him out. So it's a lot more difficult, I would say, as an offensive lineman to block for Caleb Williams than it is for. Uh, a play-action pass or someone that stays in the pocket. Yeah.
1: Uh, we got one last one, Dan, class of 62. He says, congrats to the women's uh, beach volleyball team for beating UCLA and winning another national championship. Um, wanted to get your comments on spring sports. USC has a tradition in spring sports championships. It's second to none, but not in recent years. How is U- USC using NIL and increased scholarship opportunities to recruit Uh, at the highest levels in spring sports. Baseball is rebounding under Coach Andy, but the USC men's track and um, swimming and volleyball are still lagging. Um, What's your opinion regarding men's spring sports and USC spring championships greatly enhance the image for football as being part of the overall university championship image all year round? Fight on a win, Dan, class of 62. And he says, P.S. Dallas Long, USC Olympic and NCAA shot put champion, helped save my life as a Kaiser hospital ER doctor. Great Trojans were spring sport champions. Wow. That's amazing, Dan. And uh, real quick, I mean, I've interviewed um, some of the coaches. I'm going to talk to the USC women's golf coach coming up soon too. But USC made a change for the men's golf coach. I've talked to a lot of the track people. There's not increased scholarship opportunities. The scholarship opportunities are a huge problem at a private school that costs a lot of money. So with track You don't get that many scholarships. With baseball, you don't get that many scholarships. Uh, I know track had a lot of injuries, the men's track team. Um, So that was a problem. When you just have a handful of scholarships and you're giving them out, and if those guys get injured, there's problems. I don't know much about the swimming, uh, and I I do know volleyball. I haven't talked about uh, volleyball. I'm going to try to dive into that a little bit more. But, yeah, I think the, the scholarship issue continues to be a big problem and they're trying to do, I know they're doing more NIL stuff on the track side. John Colich is a big uh, booster for that. But you kind of need sort of a, uh, a booster that likes your sport, that's going to help your sport. Because a lot of the boosters just want to help football. But you want to be able to have guys, uh, men and women that are big boosters of these sports, help these other sports as well. So, um, I don't know, any thoughts on some of the spring sports, Coach?
2: Yes, to be honest with you, we we had a great, uh, or USC had a great uh, Olympic sports uh, coaching staff. Um, But during the last couple of athletic directors, I don't know how I can, I'm not going to put my finger at any one of them, but they haven't really supported the Olympic sports financially as they have in the past. When other people were there, you had Andrea Gaston who won national championships and uh, in women's golf and had a traditional program that was unbelievable. Uh, the schools were coming after her. Uh, she didn't want to leave. and When she asked for just the cost of living, the way I understand it, pay raise, it was denied. And her salary was given a big increase, so she left. Uh, there wasn't really an effort to keep her. Uh, same with some of the other sports there. Uh, The men's volleyball program was a tremendous program. Gosh, I wish I could remember the name of the coach. Uh, But he uh, had the same type of problems, and uh, he left and retired. You call retired or left or whatever. And uh, how about uh, the track and field program? Uh, Georgia came after her. Uh, they didn't meet any type or really go after and giving her any type of uh, pay raise or encouragement or incentive to stay, so she goes to Georgia. Uh, When you look at these type of things, you say, why would you leave SC when you're winning and go somewhere else? Well, there's a reason. It's because either you're not getting the support or you're not getting the financial dollars for your budget or you're not getting what you think is due to you, of course, in water polo. Uh, they had that uh, problem there that caused a great deal of uh, problems to everybody, the coach, including the university. But would that have needed to happen if the money was given to him for his coaching staffs and the budget was enough for him to win national championships in swimming and water polo and or water polo in both sports? So there's always a reason why coaches leave or programs go down. Uh, women's basketball is starting to, uh, improve, uh, you know, uh, you know, you look at some of the other sports and I don't want to be critical on everything. You asked me a question, but there's a reason why it doesn't just happen. When you see great coaches leaving or you see you're losing your academic advisor to Georgia and you're losing other people to other schools Why would they go when you're at USC? Because of the reasons I just mentioned.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's part of the, you know, having poor leadership in the athletic department for so long is uh, a part of all of this. So I think going forward, yeah, you're hoping, um, you know, Mike Bone fixed a lot of this stuff and you're hoping the next athletic director is able to take it to the next level and hire the right coaches and and you know you got to do a lot of the stuff right when you don't have as many scholarships. So um, USC just screwed up a lot, a lot of that over the years. Still winning championships from time to time, which is great. Um, you know, there's been some good hires though recently, and uh, you know even like a Dean Blanton, um, Dean Blanton, sorry Dean Blanton uh, with the women's volleyball winning, you know, winning three in a row is pretty special uh, for beach volleyball. So, but you got to get that in some of those other sports too. And you know, that's I think that's where. Carol Fult wants to get in the right athletic director, get the right coaches in, and start winning in some of those spring sports too. All right, Coach, I know uh, you got to go, so uh, I just wanted to uh, say thank you for coming on and sharing your thoughts on all that's going on in the USC Athletic Department, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again.
2: Hey, Ryan, buddy. Thank you very much, and thank you all of you out there. You have a great uh, holiday as far as the summer vacations. Get ready for college football. Again, thank you for all your questions. And remember, it's just our opinions of what we think and all of the answers and what we say during our show. So, again, buckle up out there and uh, take care and uh, talk to you soon.
1: All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.